Hey guys, Darren Watts here. Uh, before we get into this podcast, I just want to throw a disclaimer out there for everybody that's listening. Firstly, I appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to me. But if anybody is listening to this podcast for the sake of advice, well, for the sake of actually trying to solicit advice from a professional, professional, then I'm not your guy. I would recommend that you listen to another podcast that has just that, a professional mental health personnel, psychologist, and all of them. But if you're listening to me just to hear my story, hear other people's story, and just solicited uh, some knowledge or some educational stuff from what I read, then this is the podcast for you to listen to. But other than that, thank you for listening and enjoy this podcast. So last week I talked about um, work promotions and my experience from, um, you know, getting those type of uh, promotions that, you know, a lot of people deserve that they need and stuff like that to be able to become a better work employee. And I read off some uh, some things in an article from a blog, as I should say, really, um, on, uh, on how to get promoted. And I shared my experience based off of this blog on how you are able to do that. Now... I am going to come on here again, and I am going to share the eight mistakes to avoid if you are trying to get promoted. And this is from them, and I'm going to share my experience on the things that you shouldn't do if you're uh, really looking to try to, you know, uh, get promoted. The first thing is burning yourself out. Now, I've experienced this millions of times, but the but the million times I've done it, it wasn't so bad and it wasn't so deep that you know I could be able to kind of um, kind of give myself that type of break. And be able to diagnose my problem and pinpoint a plan. Because those times, I didn't do that before. I didn't do that before. I get into my job now, and I suffered it badly. I suffered it real badly. And um, the ways that you can actually burn yourself out is if you put yourself in the right mind frame of wanting to set a goal to, you know, work a lot, put in some overtime and uh, commit to the job that you're doing and then you realize you start to actually see these things every day 
and then that's when you start to drain yourself out. And it's like, uh, wow. I'm doing the same thing every day. All the tasks that you're working hard to do, many things to do, and now you put yourself to a point that you're burnt yourself out. That is one way of actually putting the promotion at risk. Because that's when you start to get disinterest. That's when you actually start to let up or you actually end up quitting your job. Now, with me, I had burned myself out and I still kept working. I kept doing it. That's why I got worse. So, um, when I started to burn myself out, it was last year, right around April. That's when it was doing like a house cleanup, to say the least. They fired people, and then people ended up just quitting themselves, and people backed out on me to, uh, you know, help on the Wednesday, Thursday aspect. Um, because we don't open to the public on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So I was the only one doing it by myself. Um, I had leadership management help me with the truck and stuff like that. And um, and then we'll have some other people from different departments come in and help in the warehouse and stuff like that. But that was about it. Um, so I got to that point and that's when I just started working and working a lot. It didn't make me no difference. There was times that I actually worked from open to close. I would come in a little bit earlier, like uh, 9, like 9 o'clock, 9.30, 10 o'clock ordeal, work all the way to close. And, you know, that, and I, and I did that for about, almost a year, I want to say probably about 10 months. Yeah, I did it for probably about 10 months. And during that, I was done. I was getting completely wiped out. I just couldn't do it anymore. And that really hit me hard. So that's when earlier this year in February, I said, you know what? I need a break. So I took a week off. And what I did was I actually sat down and during that break, I actually planned everything out. I didn't tell anybody about my uh, week off. I needed that week off. I couldn't actually just, you know, been able to just, you know, tell people. I just couldn't do it. I needed to actually just have this to have that time to myself. So I actually came up with a plan to where what can I do to prevent this burnout again? 
and I wrote down some things and brainstormed a lot of things. And the first thing I realized was I just cannot keep putting myself thinking about money because the more I do that, I'm going to hate the job. So I'm going to have to think about some advantages. You know, and this was before I got my first promotion. So I just went in with a clean conscience and boom, straight up clean conscience. I just said, hey, I have to think about Aaliyah. That's the first thing I think about. Aaliyah, and that's it. She is the reason why I'm doing all this. She's the reason. And so instead of me working so much, I only choose one day out of the week to go in early to get some extra hours, and that is on a Friday, uh, every Friday. Um, then after that, I'll do my regular schedules and stuff like that. And that's the end of it. And it changed, and I was happy with that. That's when the promotions came in and, and stuff like that. I was cool with that. So don't put yourself in a position to burn yourself out and then you get all this interest and then you start to uh, mishandle how you are energized when you come into work. So it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. Uh, thinking me versus them. <laughs> Sometimes I have to be honest with you. Put the thinking of me versus them aspect is really not good but at the same time it is and I say that because when when you're actually working to promote yourself you're putting yourself into a position to where that you want to be where they're at but you don't want to do it in a way where, you know, you feel like that you're battling them. So you're going to use them because they don't mind giving you the tools. They don't mind giving you the access to do the job. They're going to do that for you, which is no problem. So if you do that, then that's where the me versus them would kick in. But you never really want to use that mindset of me versus them because you're going to feel like that you're balancing them for, um, you know, for position, for recognition and all of that. So don't ever put yourself in the me versus them situation to feel like that you're better than everybody else or to put your uh, put your team into a position where they don't want to work anymore. You don't want to do that. Because I've always been the type to actually bring everybody together. And whenever I need help from them, they'll be able to do it with open arms or they'll be able to volunteer. Right? So that is, that's my big thing. If you keep worrying about other people, trying to volunteer their services, they're not going to listen to you or they don't want to work with you or they'll quit. 
You don't ever want to put yourself in that position. You let management or whoever it is that management trust to put that type of, uh, to do that ordeal. They can see and respect your work. Right? That's just something to think about. Given an ultimatum. Now I've heard this before. So, this is one of the ones that I'm pretty much dealing with and I find I have dealt with before at the Goodwill, the current job now, and uh, uh, CSE. Um, <laughs> you don't never want to put yourself into a position to make another job position better than the one that you're working now. If you can't be able to put yourself into a position where you could work and still be consistent at the same time and management feels like they can't see your recognition, but you give them ultimatum, hey, if you don't do this for me or if I don't get the recognition that I deserve, I'm going over to this company and they're going to pay me a lot more. And maybe they recognize me. Yeah, they may pay you more. Yeah, they may recognize you more. But what happens if that don't happen? What if you take that same attitude to this other job that's paying you more? What if they don't recognize you? That would mean, obviously, you are the problem. You are the problem. You know, don't go up to leadership and management to go and tell them your ultimatum on what you're going to do. If you feel like you don't, that you're not getting the recognition or you deserve, you know, that big maximum pay raise or some sort or whatever. You don't ever want to do that. Don't give them ultimatum like that. That's if you choose you want to get a promotion if you don't want the promotion, then you do what you want. But if you're trying to get this promotion, that's not a good way to do it. Uh, keeping your struggles a secret. So, when it comes down to getting the promotion, it's very important to be spokeable, to speak out about your, uh, your performance. You know, ask, hey, what did I do wrong? Or what can I do to be better? Or, uh-oh, did I mess this up? Or, yeah, was this approved? Was that disapproved? You know, is there anything that you need me to do? If there's anything you need me to do, let me know. You know, you want to be able to speak up on those ordeals. Now, if you actually stay quiet about it, if you stay quiet about those things, they're gonna feel that they're not that you're not serious about it, that you're not serious about a promotion, or they can't rely on you to do some of the work because you're not really asking the questions that you know you should be asking if you're really looking for that promotion, right? So just keep that in mind when you're actually um, trying to get that promotion. You always speak up. You know you communicate every piece of information that you have that they need to know, that they don't know. 
you speak up on it. Be a good communicator. Uh, selling your promotion with a sob story. This is this is important right here. When when they mean when they say selling your promotion with a sob story, don't be that person to go, hey, I need this promotion because my daycare just went up in uh in pay. I have a high car note and my rent just shot up a you know an additional hundred bucks and stuff like that. This is why I, I I need this I need this promotion ASAP. They're not going to care, maybe maybe not, but that's something they don't want to hear because they feel like that's going to be caring about your own well being versus the job. So that's why you always be the one to go in. You do the job, you stay consistent, and you work hard, and they'll see it, and that's when you get your promotion. But like I said, it always has to work under good leadership that can recognize people that has the ability to earn a promotion. It has to be under good leadership. It has to be under, be under good management. If you don't have that, then you know it's time to move on. But this only happens when it comes to good leadership, good management, or management that just has enough good skills to be able to recognize people that earns a promotion. So don't go and use your well-being to your promotion because, like, 90% of the time, it just won't work. It just won't work. So just go ahead, do your job, work hard, Put in a little bit more extra time. Show them that you care. Ask questions. Communicate. And they'll see that. They'll be able to see that you are actually working. And you really want the promotion. Then that could be a big change for you. Apply roles that don't suit you. Some... One of these things right here is that if you're if you're doing things if you're actually doing something that is not relatable to you know your job description then they're not going to consider you for this promotion that would be the biggest mistake that you make so for me, if I happen to be in the warehouse and my job description fits in the warehouse, but I go out into the sales floor and I actually start doing more things out there versus my own job description, that makes me look bad because it feels like that I'm not interested in my job role to earn that promotion. Yes, I am a hard worker. Yes, I am out there on the sales floor helping, but that's not part of my job description. Those are the type of people that will not get that promotion. If you want that transfer to that department or if you want that job position, then you need to apply for it. Then you'll be able to do more better. But your job role is your job role. That's where you need to focus on. Oh, this last one is <laughs> this one. Posting the wrong thing on social media. This is why social media could be the evil of all roots. If you're not using social media for a good reason, it could be the evil of all roots. All right. 
So you get into it to one of your uh, you get into it one of your team managers or uh, leaders, and you actually either sat down, you recorded it, documented it, and posted it on there, or you actually put it in full written text in social media about the argument, or you repost another person's post about or related to the job, you'll know that is the wrong thing to do. That is the wrong thing to do. Um, another thing is is that when you're getting hired for another job and they see that, that you have social media, they will look at your stuff. They'll look at it. They'll do what they can to look at it. So sometimes you have to kind of tread carefully about what you post on social media, right? And if you actually get on the job and stuff like that, and if you weren't doing anything back then, but you're doing it now, they can see that. So, but you have to be one of those ones that has to have that open-minded leadership that, you know, they can accept that kind of thing, that be able to do, um, see those things and relate to you and those type of things. Then maybe that is different. It could be different. Now, I'm not saying that you will get that promotion if that is a mistake. But what I am saying is, is that if they can relate to you in that aspect and they still do the same thing, then maybe something could kick it. But you never want to put yourself into that position posting the wrong thing on social media. You'll never want to do that. Rather, if you, rather if the leadership can relate to you or not, you'll never want to do that. So, those are the eight mistakes to avoid if you're trying to get that promotion. So, just kind of think about it, harbor on it, and know and understand that it's important when it comes down to your mental health. It's very important to kind of take care of your well-being, keep yourself energized, and maintain your energy and still be able to get that promotion so the depression won't kick in or the anxiety won't kick in as bad I'm pretty sure everybody heard about the news of uh, Naomi Judd, country singer, with her daughters. Uh, she passed away at the age of 76. Uh, she had a mental illness. And um, they came out with the cause of death on uh, Thursday, May 12th. Um, one of our daughters, Ashley, I think it is, said that uh, she used a weapon and it was a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Now, for them, it was a very uncomfortable thing to share, but at the same time, they know that it's something that had to be shared because of the fact that they need to bring attention to mental health and the awareness that is uh, reflecting on them. And, you know, you can pretty much feel that if 
they could have been able to do something to help that situation, which is very hard to do for a lot of people because a lot of people really don't show the signs. They actually have gotten past that or they really keep to themselves. And it's not, you know, there. And they can cover it up real well. So for that involvement of of that, there's nothing more you could really do but to try to be more involved with the personnel or the person that is actually dealing with the mental health illness. And this was all in all pretty much a very, very sad situation. I don't know the judge like that. And I don't listen to country music or nothing like that. But this really tells you and sit down and tell you that no matter how good and successful you are, mental health will take over. It will take over. You know, she killed herself a day before they were supposed to have gotten introduced to the uh, Rock and Roll or the Country uh, Hall of Fame. I'm sorry. They were supposed to be gotten to the Hall of Fame. It's tough. You know, you got all this good stuff going on in your world, but that do not mean that, hey, it's there and they're going to Mental health is going to do anything to destroy you. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the devil and his action works. If you look at it that way, the devil does a lot of things to tempt you. And for me, that's what mental health do to you. Anytime that your mental health is at its worst, the devil is putting in his work. Now, that's why I say it's Selimer, because mental health is something you really cannot control, but you need the help to control the situation. The devil, on the other hand, will just tempt you with your favorite things. And that's what it got to show for it. So you have to kind of have to treat that like if it's a defeat that you have to, well, not a defeat, but a fight that you have to defeat. Right? And even though Naomi Judd, she lived for 76 years, obviously she'd been doing the best that she could. And the only thing you could really do at this point is really sit down and applaud. For 76 years, whenever her mental illness started, she lived for 76 years. Point blank, period. But the mental health illness really took over. And she took all life. It's sad. It's very sad. You know, pray for them. Because they're having it rough right now. Just pray for
What's happening, fam? What's happening? How's everybody doing? You know, you're here. You know, listening to me. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Very well appreciate that. So, uh, so, so far, sent out the message. Talked about Naomi Judd. Now, I am going to talk about PMDD. Thanks to Katie. And the next segment, and for the next three weeks, including today, um, I will be talking about migraines. Something that I suffer from deeply. So, that is next, though. That's on the next segment. So, for the next three weeks, we will be talking about um, migraines. Now, I might segue into it to year two. I might segue into it. So, stay tuned for that because I'm still wanting to talk to some people about, you know, if they have migraines and stuff like that. And be able to keep that in mind. So right now, PMDD. So um let's let's kind of rewind here and kind of um let this flow a little bit. You know, like if this never happened. Um now I can understand from many situations that a lot of people don't want to be involved in a lot of things. People are not really wanting to communicate on a lot of things, which is absolutely fine and it is completely 100% understandable. So you really can't fault, you know, one person if, you know, they don't really want to have that established communication with you, especially if, you know, they're in, you know, some sort of uh, relationship. You don't really want to uh, put yourself into that trouble. And especially if you suffer from PMDD, which is an advanced serious um, illness. It's a very serious illness. And We have no answers. None. You could go to the doctor right now, and sometimes they'll look at you like, huh? I don't think you're suffering from PMDD, but you could be suffering from this. Okay. This is where you have to kind of sit back and take your own mental notes. Take notes like Katie does. You got to kind of take the notes and track everything down. I mean, everything. You ain't got to do it from seven to 10 days at the start of your period. You ain't got to do that. Do it anyway. How you're feeling all day, every day. Kind of like a journal. Document it. So, 
when the awareness start to become more serious and more recognized, you'll have your document of how you were feeling and they can be able to do the research. So start with yourself first. And then you'll be able to find the problems. Hopefully, when doctors start to become a little bit more serious about it. So, let's go back and let's familiarize people with PMDD or PMS or however you, uh, however this is um, referred to, but I refer to as PMDD. So, for whoever is actually for the first time listening to this and have not listened to the PMDD uh, episode, I recommend that you do that. You don't have to do it first, but I recommend that you do so. But you can still listen to it here right now. Uh, PMDD, it is a premenstrual dysphoric uh, disorder. It's refers to as a group of emotional and physical symptoms that starts a week or two before your period. Uh, PMDD is similar to premenstrual syndrome, which is PMS, but the systems, uh, especially the emotional ones, are more severe. Uh, so if you tend to have, if you tend to have to have more severe PMS symptoms that interrupt your daily life, you may have PMDD. So let's learn what happens and is there a way that could be treated. So the symptoms, they say that typically the PMDD symptom starts within seven to 10 days of the start of your period, uh, though they may start a little earlier or later. So similarly to PMS, a PMDD has both emotional and physical symptoms, but you may have more emotional symptoms than physical ones or vice versa. So the emotional symptoms of uh, PMDD can include agitation or nervousness, anger, crying spells, feeling out of control, forgetfulness, loss of interest in activities and relationships, irritability, moodiness, panic attacks, paranoia, sadness, and thoughts of suicide. Uh, Physical symptoms of PMDD can include acne, back pain, bloating, breast swelling, and tenderness, gastrointestinal intestinal issues including constipation, diarrhea, nausea or vomiting, uh, cramps dizziness, headache uh, heart palpitations appetite changes, joint or muscle pain, muscle spasms uh, painful periods or reduced sex drives Uh, these symptoms especially the emotional ones can take a big toll on your daily life getting in the way of work, school and relationships they tend to go away on their own once your period starts Excuse me, only to return after the next time you over overlate. So what causes PMDD? A PMDD. So, of course, experts are still trying to figure out the underlying cause cause of PMDD, but most believe it's a response to the changing hormone levels that occur during a cycle. So throughout your cycle, your body goes through a natural rise or fall in its level of the hormones estrogen estrogen and progesterone progesterone this can have an effect on your levels of serotonin a neurotransmitter that plays a big role in your mood 
people with PMDD also simply be more sensitive to these hormonal uh, fluctuations. In 2017, researchers at the National Institute of Health discovered that people with PMDD have genetic changes that make their cells overreact to estrogen and progesterone. They believe that this overreaction may be responsible for PMDD symptoms. So, there's no specific test that doctors can use for diagnosing PMDD. So, they'll probably do like a physical exam or ordering basic uh, blood tests. So, here are some other potential causes of your symptoms that could um, throw a cause out there. Which is chronic fatigue syndrome, edermometrosis, fibroids, fibromyalgia, hormone problems, I'm sorry, hormone problems, major depression, migraine disorder, menopause, and panic disorder. So make a note of when your system tends to appear and disappear and be sure to give this information to your doctor so consider using maybe an app on your phone maybe a period tracking app on your phone or you could print out a chart to track all your systems or you could just use the notes on your phone or the basic pen and paper so there's ways around that after a few months of tracking your symptoms, you'll be able to see how they change throughout your cycle and impact your daily life. This could be extremely helpful for ruling out other conditions. So make sure to tell your doctor about any mental health conditions you've experienced in the past. Excuse me. So for some, hormonal changes before their period can make pre-existing system worse. A diagnostic criteria um, they give you a PMDD diagnosis if you experience at least five of the following systems starting from the seven to ten days before your period, which could be mood swings, marked ir- irritability or anger, depressed mood, feelings of hopelessness, anxiety or tension, reduced interest in friends, work or other activities, or trouble concentrating, fatigue, lack of energy. Appetite changes, trouble sleeping or sleeping too much, feeling out of control, physical symptoms such as bloating, breast tenderness, joint, or muscle pain, and headache. Uh, So, there's no single treatment for PMDD, but there are some things that you can do to help keep your symptoms in check. So, you have to try different, uh, different things. Uh, before you find out what works best for you. So, getting frequent exercise, keep your stress in check, indulging in moderation and eating for your mood, such as uh, that has lean protein in it, such as uh, well, and uh, complex uh, carbohydrates on it, which. You can also use fish, nuts, chicken, and whole grains. That can help with uh, some of these moods. Um, But 
but with anybody it could be different so these are just a little side guide to help um i have a link uh, i'll drop the link in the description also uh will drop the uh i'm sorry i'll drop katie's credentials in the um description also so that way you can uh check out her pages anything that she has going on you'll be able to um kind of learn from her to be able to get some uh research going for yourself um that's all I'm going to share for this, but of course, if you always want to read it, it will. It is in the description, so please help yourself to continue reading this and um, being able to help find the cause and be able to help bring awareness to PMDD. But that's all I have. That's all I have. So when I come back. I am going to discuss migraines. Be right back. Okay, I'm back. So, before I get into the migraine portion of this real quick, um, I just want to share the most important significance of, of course, exercising. I've always shared this. I've always expressed these things about exercise because I believe exercising can be the main big key piece to keeping your peace and being able to feel good about yourself and I'm going to tell you now I feel a lot better about myself now than I did uh, two months ago maybe three months ago uh, now of course last year um, in June that's when I had completely quit caffeine and sugar and stuff like that well the um, the caffeine treats stuff like that I still did the sugar I do still did the bread and stuff like that but now with the fast that I'm doing the intimate fasting that I'm doing I do don't do bread or uh, do sugar or anything like that eat sugar at that um, I just do more water and more fasting but back in June when I quit all that I was still tacking on weight so when I stopped and actually 
got more serious about my weight loss. I have jumped from 324, now I'm down to 305. So, exercise, exercising doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go and, uh, um, I'm having a brain for it right now. You don't have to go to a gym and subscribe for a uh, membership or sign up for a membership. You don't have to do all that and hit the gym for three, four and a half hours, taking up your time when you got other things to do. You know, you ain't all about that. You could take it one day at a time, one percent, one minute at a time. If you're in a situation that you're now motivated, take that one minute and exercise and then build yourself up. But the way I do it is I use my job as exercising. I'm not exactly exercising eight hours out of the day, but I do take a chunk of that time to do a lot of walking, do a lot of drinking the water. And I also involve the intermittent fasting. I do it twice a week. I'm trying to move up to three, but my body is not going for it right now. And that's why I'm really trying to expand on the intermittent intermittent fasting to uh, be able to get to that point to do it at three times out of the week. But it's just important. Just exercise. Just work out. Do something active. Drink more water. It's not a good thing, but it'll be worth it. I feel great. And it actually cut my migraines down big time. I still get the migraines. Don't get it straight. I still get them. But it's been cut down significantly because I used to get migraines. (sighs) Depending on the circumstances between 31 days down to 28, I want to say anywhere between 18 to 20 days out of the month. I suffer from migraines. Big time. Now, since I started losing weight, drinking more water, I've been doing intermittent fasting, I cut that down to half. Maybe more than a half. To probably about six days. I want to say about six days. Because there's times that when I'm doing this intermittent fasting, the migraines will kick in, but at the same time, it'll be without the sugar aspect. That's when the migraines actually kick in. And <laughs> they're not the same as they used to be when I had the withdrawal stuff. The pain is still there, the pain is still unbearable, but trust me, a withdrawal, caffeine withdrawal headache, migraine versus a classic migraine it's a big difference it's a big difference so just keep that in mind as I just sit here and express exercising 
we'll just keep that in mind. So, as we talk about Bob Grace, let's talk about him. So, what's a migraine? What does a migraine feel like? A migraine is a common neurological disease that causes a variety of symptoms, most notably a throbbing, pulsing headache on one side of your head. Your migraine will likely get worse with physical activity, light, sounds, or smells. It may last at least four hours or even days. About 12% of Americans have this genetic disorder. Research shows that it's the sixth most disabling disease in the world. What are the type of headaches? What type of headaches is a migraine? There are over 150 types of headaches divided into two categories, primary headaches and secondary headaches. A migraine is a primary headache, meaning that it doesn't, I'm sorry, that it isn't caused by a different medical condition. A primary headache disorders are a clinical diagnosis, meaning there's no blood test or imaging study to diagnose it. A secondary headache is a symptom of another health issue. What is aura? I think that's what it's called. An aura is a group of sensory, motor, and speech symptoms that usually act like warning signals that a migraine headache is about to begin. Commonly misinterpreted as a seizure or stroke, it typically, ha- it typically happens before the headache pain, but can sometimes appear during or even after. And an aura can last from 10 to 60 minutes. About 10, 15 to 20% of people who experience migraines have auras. Aura systems are reversible, meaning that they can be stopped, slashed, and or healed. An aura produces symptoms that may include seeing bright flashes, flashing dots, sparkles of lights. Oh, God. Yes. Blind spots in your vision. I experience these all the time, especially when there's bright lighting. I experience it. A numb or tingly skin. I've had that too. Uh, speech changes. Uh, ringing in your ears. I think this is tendonitis. Uh, tendonitis, one of the two. Uh, temporary vision loss. Yes. Seeing wavy or jag lines. Uh, change the smell and taste. And a funny feeling. So, there's a lot to to grade down here I'm going to continue reading it but I'm going to have the link in the description too so if you want to take the time to read it and do your own homework and look up words and stuff like that or whatever you want to do with it please by all means please do that what are the type of migraines there are several types of migraines and the same type may go by different names migraine with aura which is complicated migraine so of course 15 to 12 20% 20% of people with migraine headaches experience an aura. So a migraine without an aura is a common migraine. This type of migraine headache strikes without the warning of an aura may give you. The symptoms are the same, but that phase doesn't happen. Migraine without head pain is called a silent migraine or acephalagic or alpha alphagic headache Hmm. these words are new to me I'm going to have to look these up for pronunciation 
terms. Uh, as this type is also known as includes the aura symptom, but not the headache that typically follows. Hemoplegic migraine, uh, you'll have temporary paralysis or neurological or sensory changes on the side of your body or one side of your body. The onset of the headache may be associated with temporary numbness, extreme weakness on one side of your body, a tingling sensation, a loss of sensation, and dizziness or physical changes. Sometimes it includes head pain and sometimes it doesn't. Retinal migraine. This might be something to do with the eyes. We're about to find out. Uh, you may notice temporary partial or complete loss of vision in one of your eyes. I've experienced these. These are no jokes because everything that's been said on here is everything that I've experienced and they are not no fun. And I'm going to tell you a, a small story when uh, when I'm finished. Um, along with the dull ache behind the eye that may spread to the rest of your head, that vision loss may last a minute or as long as months. You should always report a retinal migraine to a healthcare provider because it could be a sign of a more serious issue. Chronic migraine. This is what I have. A chronic migraine is when a migraine occurs at least 15 days per month. The symptoms may change frequently and also, well, and so may the severity of the pain. Those who get chronic migraines might be using headache pain medications more than 10 to 15 days a month or 10 to 15 days a month and that unfortunately can lead to headaches that happen even more frequently yeah now sometimes you can always use a trick when it comes to um, chronic migraine the chronic migraine is um, usually I always take um, a migraine, uh, Excedrin, and a Tylenol because I suffer body aches afterwards. So I would take two migraines, uh, Excedrin, and a Tylenol to help with the body soreness and the body aches along with my headaches. And it usually works for me. But I don't like taking it every day when I have pain. So sometimes what I would like to do is if if I know that I have a migraine it could be for a different cause to help me you know kind of treat it I'm tender headed so when I'm tender headed a headache flows in and it always hit me right in the middle of my head so that's when I know that it's time for me to cut my hair so when I cut my hair the headache is still lingering around but it has really relieved a lot of pressure when I cut my hair and wash my head so it relieved a lot of pressure from that that's one way for me that uh, that can help treat it but it's not necessarily a trick either the trick is is that sometimes using a cold rag or a heating pad may help treat migraines I always usually turn off the light because my my bedroom because I do my podcast in the bedroom and my bedroom always stays dark 100% dark 
all day, every day. Because I am a migraine sufferer, I cannot be sensitive. I cannot be pertaining to a lot of light. The only light that you'll see in my room that is on is sometimes the lamp, which sometimes, but majority of the time, my TV. Sometimes my TV even gets hard and I have to turn that off. But I usually have to sit in the dark and I'll have the heating pad on my head and boom, it could disappear. Sometimes I can, sometimes I don't. If I have hair on my head and I have it and I put the heating pad on my head, it'll work. But if I cut it and if it's still there, it'll come around. And it can sometimes be the effect of the fact that I didn't have, you know, one of the juices or a soda drink, which is not caffeine, 7-Up or Sprite. Now that's what I drink. And uh, non-caffeine, the organic pop of Azevia. I will have a non-caffeine pop too. And that's how serious it is because those those withdrawals are really, really dangerous for me. And I couldn't handle them anymore. And that's where your trigger points come in. You really have to start digging within yourself to know when that these migraines are there and to know when to you know try to find the ways to get rid of them because it's it's unbearable it's crazy it's bizarre it's bizarre migraine with bend stem a brain stem aurora with this migraine, you'll have a vertigo, slurred speech, dull vision, or loss of balance, which occur before the headache. The headache pain may affect the back of your head. Ha! These symptoms can occur suddenly when uh, and can be associated with the inability to speak properly, ringing in the ears, and vomiting. And status, migrainosis. This is a rare and severe type of migraine that can last longer than 72 hours. The headache, pain, and nausea can be extremely bad. Certain medications or medication withdrawal can cause you to have this type of migraine. Boom. Right there. Except mines don't last more than 72 hours. Now, there are some times that um, my migraine has lasted, uh, not 72, uh, 48 hours or less than 72 hours so I give it uh, sometimes between 56 to 58 hours maybe sometimes 60 um, and, and it, it could get bad it could get bad and it's right there in the back of your head if that's it it gets right back in the back of your head and like I said for me it could be my hair that's caused all the pressure sometimes I relieve it sometimes I don't so sometimes you have to kind of keep track like you do with PMDD, you have to kind of take notes or any type of health problem that you have, you're always taking your notes to know the cycle that you're dealing with. Um, that is all that I'm going to read from this article. But of course, um, the Cleveland Clinic, it's uh, the, the, um, the link is going to be in the description, of course. So you're more than welcome to read read the whole thing or if you choose to you're more than welcome to do that or you can wait till next week as I continue to excuse me read it and you can read along with me and all that so um, it'll be there 
but I want to tell this quick story before I get out of here. This is a true fun fact. I don't like to call it a true fun fact, but it is a true fact. When it comes down to migraines, my migraines are pretty much everything that was said in combination of all of these. I will suffer some vision loss. I will suffer um, paralyzing on one side. Uh, I will suffer a migraine on one side of my uh, body. Um, All of that. I've suffered it all. So, here's the thing. (laughs) Every year, from when I, from when I was stuck, uh, from 24, I was 24. I'm sorry. Um, I was 24. Um, I would uh, have a headache on my birthday. All the way from that year from when I turned 24 all the way to when I turned 33. So I had a migraine every year on my birthday for nine years on my birthday. This year I did not get that headache. And I'm happy about that because I knew that the caffeine is what was causing my headaches. I knew that because I wasn't eating, I wasn't drinking, I wasn't doing none of that. And then withdrawal kicked in, boom, it was over. So I suffered a migraine on my birthday every year from when I turned 24 all the way up to 33. I'm sorry, 32. No, 33, I'm sorry, 33. 34 now, 33. And that was some pain. Believe it or not, there's always been a pain. And I know for a simple fact that I had, um, that I still suffered the daily migraines that I had. And even though that has been cut in half, you know, it's it's been a, it's it's been tremendous for me. You know, I've been staying active, been doing a little bit of exercising. Once I get even more motivated to dig down in myself to start exercising, you know, you know, doing the weights, the medicine balls and stuff like that, then that'll be that time. But, you know, me working and then doing two podcasts and then still studying for courses. Uh, trying to get certified on some things and then having a lead on Monday and Tuesday every week is kind of slowing me down from actually exercising so that's why I take that moment from every time I'm at work to actually get it in to stay active so you know um, I really hope that everybody learns something from my podcast um like I said, three weeks from now, I'm coming to the end of the year one, and I'm great to work on year two. Um, I'm excited to try to bring more content to you guys and be able to hear some true stories from people that I know and people that I meet. Um, I'm really 
going to work my best on doing that while I'm having this off time uh, within the next three weeks to start. Um, but I hope everybody learns something. <clears throat> Excuse me. But that's all I have. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to me. I really appreciate that. So join me next week. I'm going to continue everything from the message to uh, PMDD and continue the migraine series. So join me next week. But until then, stay true to yourself. And always remember, when it comes to listening, you're one step closer to bringing awareness. Let's go.